Amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Take your Bibles. Open up to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're glad that you're here, for real. We're truly glad that you're here in church with us this morning. And uh, for those of you that are joining us online, uh, we're glad that you are joining us online. And so uh, we hope you take that opportunity to fill out that Connect card or fill out the Connect card online. Um, And as you have your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'll tell you that for the next three Sundays... We are going to ask the Lord to, to move on our heart, to stir our heart for, uh, to give. Uh, this, this series of messages for the next three Sundays is about those who call Lindsay Lane their church home, uh, for us to, to open our minds and our hearts for God to teach us his word and to prepare us to, to give towards missions in October. So truthfully, today... Uh, there's there's no missions budget offering today, but there will be a give-to-go missions offering in October, the first Sunday in October. And this is not the first time we've done this, and this is not the only missional giving effort you'll see, and this is not the only time we'll provide you with an opportunity to give, but this offering is super important in October because it is the funding for our budgeted missions efforts for 2022, and I'll be sharing more about this truly in the next coming weeks. But during the next few weeks, we'll also distribute a giving calendar. And I believe this giving calendar is going to help us inform you about what we're doing this year and how you can prepare or what you would give to and how you would give. And and it'll help us as we decide how to be generous. And, And so we hope that this approach, this calendar, this sermon series is all heading towards a church that is about the things that God values. And God values generosity. He does. That's a good place for everybody, even in their heart, to say amen. God values generosity. I want you to understand something um, this morning. I'm preaching on giving for the next three weeks, and I'm very nervous. Serious. And I believe, even as I'm sitting there during worship, I believe that's how much spiritual warfare is tied up in giving. And in our dollars and in our wallets, for the fact that I am standing before you knowing that some of you are already thinking they're going to try to mess with our money. Like, I already know that. I get nervous about that. And again, I believe that's why there's so much warfare tied up. And some of you have already made up your own mind about where the message is going and all those things. But the the truth is, I want you to understand something, the heart behind this message. Y'all, I've not been here one year yet. This is probably not a good move for me. (laughs) which is why I believe it's the will of God. Also, our church is in a great place financially. You're generous. We're able to do a lot and help a lot of people and work for the glory of God in a big way in a lot of different places. So we're thankful to God and and you for that. So we're not raising money. The offering's in October. This is why I believe that, that it is the will of God that we are now, what we're doing now is we're preparing our heart for opportunities that come our way to give, to serve, and to be on the mission of God. If you're visiting with us today and this is not your church home, then just take it in, but this is not on you. And truly, if, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, then really this is not on you either. Obviously, what you know, to God be the glory for the funds that come in, but this is about those that belong 
to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. This is their church home. This is what we are, are speaking to today. Also, this is, and I hope, I hope that you trust this, but this has nothing to do with any personal gain. No one at Lindsay Lane is trying to build an empire. But we are trying to increase the kingdom. For sure. We are trying to increase the kingdom of God. And so we will preach and teach what is in God's word. And I believe it's God's will for us to look at 2 Corinthians 8 for the next few weeks. So let me pray for us. Lord, I just pray that we would be submitted to you. And all of what that means you would bring out in us. That we would be good stewards. That we would see our resources not as our own, but that everything belongs to you. But we've given ourselves to you, Lord, if we are Christians. Lord, and I'm thankful for the work that you would do in, in my life and in the life of my family. I'm thankful, Lord, for the work that you would do in the life of this church. Things that are so much greater than, than what we can think of or accomplish. So, Lord, would you please help us today as we are communicating a touchy subject. And help us to see the truth of your word. Spirit of God, would you make it plain? Guide us into all truth and towards the righteousness of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. I want to give you a little bit of context as we dive into this. First of all, Paul is, is writing a letter to a church that is good, but that could be even better. And so he is growing them just as he is growing us. And this, this home church, he's writing to the, to the Corinthian church, and he is talking about an offering that will go to the Jerusalem church. Now, the Jerusalem church was the sending church for all these churches that we're mentioning today. It's very odd that, that a sending church would seek support from the plants, as the plant churches are now pouring back into the Jerusalem church. Jerusalem was overpopulated. They were famine-stricken. Truly, they were in dire straits. So, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Verse 1 says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. I want you to know. He's saying, I want you to know because I want you to get it. I want you to get it for yourselves. And then he calls them brothers and sisters. That is familial language. If anybody should be able to talk about money, it should be family. If anybody should be able to dive into the specifics of how we're going to give and what we're going to give, it should be family, amen? And so as we look at verse 1, Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth about the outcomes of another group of churches in Macedonia. Let's read verses 1 through 5 together. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Paul, again, speaking to a, a church that's a good church, but desiring more of their outcomes. And, and then he is referencing another group of churches in Macedonia. The, the, the churches in this location were in an area that was affected by war. They were impoverished. They were very much under the grip of Roman authority. 
And because of this, they are not an affluent area, not of many means at all. In fact, Paul said in chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 5, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. Macedonia was a place of, of no expectation. I can imagine when, when Paul and, and maybe some of the other overseers, leaders got together, they were talking about an offering for Jerusalem, and they were like, well, Macedonia, you know, they'll, they'll give what they can. There was really no expectation of them to do anything great because of the circumstances that surrounded them. They would not have been ranked in one of the top ten cities to raise a family. In fact, Macedonia would have been the destination for mission trip, where other churches would have sent mission teams there. See, some of us have this attitude about ourselves. We have very low expectations about our own influence. What could God ever do really with me? What could God do with my time? What could God do with my talent? Whatever that talent is. What could God do with, with my budget? Could God do anything great with any of those things? Listen, throughout the scripture, we see God putting his power and his might and his influence on display. Through people who don't seem to be his representatives at all. If, you, if you've been here the last month or so, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah were an elderly couple that had no children. God told them they would, he would be the father of many nations. Or, or the father of his nation. Father Abraham and many sons. And he was like, many sons, I don't have any. Look how old I'm getting. And God started his people group through them. Moses. Moses was a man by his own admission, not very good with words. And every time God was going to do something great with him, he would be like, you know, I can't do that. How am I going to be the one that would be the mouthpiece of you before, before Egypt? I can't do that. And remember, I killed a man, remember that? Tried to cover it up, left town. God, that's all on me. How could you use me and my past and my present for what you want to do in the future? Low expectations for themselves. David God established a line of kings to the king of kings through David. David was the guy when, when, when God was choosing a king of Israel, went to the house of Jesse. Jesse went all the way through, looking at the sons. With Samuel there, he ain't it, he ain't it, he ain't it. And it was almost like for Samuel before God, well, who's left? That's David, who's left? Low expectation. Didn't look like the part. Church, these are the people that God made his covenants through. These are the Old Testament people we've talked about for so long that God has, has made his promises to the world through. Still, what could God do with me? Nothing but everything. Nothing but everything. That's what God can do through you. Because it is God through you. It is God's work. Look at what the scripture said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. In our own church history, y'all. In the church history of Lindsay Lane. Three small campuses with a big desire to just do something for God. 
This church started that way. East Campus, North Campus. Just a small group of folks with a desire to do something great for God and for His glory. And what has God done through those churches? Nothing but everything. Can you imagine? We, we don't even really know the lives that have been changed through the work and the ministry of this church. That's the truth. I, I remember at Lindsay Lane East, I, would, I had a... a a book I kept, and everybody that got baptized at Lindsay Lane East, I just wrote their name down. And all of a sudden, as the years turned by, it was page after page after page after page. And lives, lives were being changed. Families were put back together. Godly stuff happening. Leaders being raised up through just a small group of people that wanted to do something great for God's glory. Didn't know if we'd have any impact at all. North Campus is the same way. North Campus has a small desire, started with a small group. They didn't know if they'd have any influence in the community at all. Now what's happening at the North Campus in Elkmont is the same thing that happened at the East Campus. The campus tried to get in the community. Now the community is trying to get into the church. The community is calling the church for help. This is what can God do? Nothing but everything, man. Nothing but everything. It's God through the church. This is what's happening. Paul said, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. It's not so much what these churches have done, as much as it is what God has done through these churches. God is the catalyst for good works. God is the catalyst for good giving. Listen, when God is leading you, it doesn't matter if you have a little or a lot. You'll be generous. You'll notice today, we're not going to talk about amounts hardly at all. Because they're not even mentioned in the scripture. But when you are in Christ, you will be generous regardless of where you are and what you have. Now the point that Paul is making is this. Hey church at Corinth, if Macedonia can do this big, y'all can do this big. That's the point. Do you see that? We are not Macedonia. I'm just going to go on and tell you that. We're not. And the point to Corinth was, if Macedonia, who is living in a wartime, coming out of a wartime, with government overreach that's crazy, if they can do this big in generosity, then Corinth, you can do this big. Y'all, the government's sending us money this week, I think. <laughs> just telling you. Verse 2, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Troubled and poor, but filled with joy and overflows in rich generosity. As we've said, the churches of Macedonia are great examples of generosity but, but they were troubled and poor. As I've studied it, the word for poor or poverty there is relative to the word beggary. Which means they were being tested by many troubles and at times begging for their own. Meaning they were certainly in need of help to their churches. Listen, I think all of us more than likely have been at that place in one time of our life. We're being challenged to give and we could stand to have it ourselves. Well, this is them. 
And the scripture says, but they are also, notice the word, the change of direction, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed and rich generosity. The church had circumstances, but the circumstances didn't lead to their action. Their attitude led to their action. Somebody needs to hear that today. It wasn't their circumstances that they gave out of. It was their attitude that they gave out of. Yesterday, I saw a man that my family knows very well, has known him and loved him for a long time. He has had a terrible year or years as far as health goes. I mean, he would be justified to sit in the house and sit underneath the heat or air conditioning, whatever he decided. But he's had it rough, seriously challenging to his state of health. Yesterday, I saw him outside doing manual labor to help his family and his community. And I rolled down my window and stopped and told him and said, Man, it's good to see you. I didn't think I'd be seeing you out here doing this. And he told me, he said, got to keep moving. I've got to get up and got to keep moving. Had a smile on his face. And I'm choosing to be out here. Again, been justified to been in behind closed doors. Lock the doors under the AC, whatever. But his, not his circumstances determining the action. It was his attitude determining the action. When you've got the joy of God in your heart, you'll do things that make other people go, what are you doing? When you've got joy in your heart, and, and if people knew the amount, they would be like, what are you giving? Y'all, there have been people that have skipped up on in this church that have buried a loved one the week before, been justified to stay out a month, and I watched them bust through those doors for worship. That's what joy does. It does stuff that don't make sense, but it's sense to God. I, I've seen people that have, have been sick, people that are here, truly, that have been here this year, and part of me is like, man, you need to go home. But that's what joy does. Joy wants to be together for the glory of God. Because joy is born of God. It's that good attitude born of God's spirit rooted in everything's going to be okay because you're trusting in an eternal God that's done everything for you. That's what joy is. And when you've got joy according to the word of God in verse 2, you're going to be generous. As the joy was in their heart for a church that was of no expectation, they gave more than even what they had. The scripture says, the change of direction, but they were also filled with abundant joy. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. I want you to take this note. You've got a place on the back to take it. Take this note. The time of joy is always when the location of joy is in the Lord. The time of joy is always when the location of joy is in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Joy don't care about a circumstance. It's rooted in the truth of God. And this was their attitude. The attitude of the Macedonian church was like this. Man, hey, I know, Paul, I know we're Macedonia. But we're good because God's good. And God's taking care of us, and because God's so good and he's taking care of us, guess what we're going to do? We want to take care of other people. That was the attitude. Where does that come from? It comes from joy. Truth is, I believe we're a very generous church. I really do. I, I believe we are a, a church that continues to give, and we don't be, a, I would say the majority of us are not offended when we are presented with opportunities to give. 
Many people are asking for opportunities to give. But the truth is, as a church body, it's the Lord who knows whether or not each one of us are generous or not. God knows how we give. Not just what we give. Get off of that. God knows how we give. He knows that. He knows whether or not we give out of joy or if we give out of tradition. If we give out of tradition, we will be obligatory givers. We are obligated to serve. This is what we've always done. We, we are obligated to give because the church keeps asking. They keep talking about texting LLBC to 73256. So we feel obligated. He keeps talking about serving in the children's building. He keeps talking about, I guess we need to serve over there. Well, see, if that's tradition, we'll serve out of obligation. I'm going to tell y'all, God can use it, but he may not bless it. God knows whether or not you're serving and you like it. He knows whether or not you're serving because you want to do something or because you want to do something for him. God knows the difference. See, there's also giving and serving out of emotion. When times are good and the circumstances are good, the giving's good. Hey, when our life is calmed down and we've got to achieve and we've achieved all kinds of balance in our life, and that's when the giving and the service will be good for the King family. Because now everything is calm waters. It's not troubled waters. So if we give that way, it's circumstantial giving, it's circumstantial serving. That's not giving out of joy because circumstances change. They won't last. But joyful giving will always produce the spirit of generosity. A generous church is not simply determined by what we give. It's how we give it. Again, y'all, the offering we're talking about today, the give-to-go offering for, to fund our missions budget in 2022, is not until October. If you gave it today, I guess we'd take it and we'd know what to do with it, but it ain't right now. This is about our heart for a long time to come. Amen? Verse 3, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They gave, and Paul said, I can tell you. What he's saying is, I can tell you the amount, but I'm not going to. I can tell you what they gave, but it's, it's neither here nor there. I can tell you that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Three things from this one verse. Number one, giving is proportionate to what you earn, what you have. Because they gave not only what they could afford. The giving from the Macedonian churches began out of what they could afford to give. Giving out of what you can is fair. Y'all, it's also biblical. It's also biblical. It's of what you can afford. Paul said in his first appeal to the Corinthian church to Jerusalem and the offering to Jerusalem in 1 Corinthians 16 2, on the first day of the week you should set aside a portion of the money you have earned. Here's the challenge that we have. I really think this is a real thing. Giving and generosity, tithes and offerings, to many of us can be very new to us. So by the time we have become a Christian and really begin to follow Jesus as Lord, and now we're learning about things like generosity, our budget has already been set, and now we think we can't do anything. That's real, by the way. Because when we're challenged to give, we look, and every dime we have is already spoken for, so generosity's not going to fly. So how do we do it? 
Right? This is a very real thing that I really think that people are, are dealing with. If our giving is to be out of what we can afford or out of what we've earned and we want to be faithful, let me just offer you a very real challenge. Adjust. Begin to make real faithful adjustments. Instead of waiting on an increase in pay, instead of waiting on a raise, instead of waiting on the kids to get grown and get out of your house so the money's freed up, Instead of waiting on all these things to happen, the scripture says if you're waiting for a beautiful day to plant, you'll never plant. If you're waiting for the skies to clear and everything to be perfect, you'll never plant. Make an adjustment and be faithful and watch God bless. I really believe God will take care of you. I can give testimony to my own family that God has seen us through. God honors faithfulness. He honors obedience. Make adjustments. I... As I am going through this, this past week, I'm studying, I'm listening to a podcast. And as I'm listening to a, a podcast, I'm folding clothes, just studying and folding clothes, you know. It's a good thing to do while you're folding clothes. And as I'm looking at, listening to this podcast from a preacher that I, I trust and appreciate, he's talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And as I'm folding those clothes, I look over and I see a receipt laying there. This is one of our family's personal receipts. Our kids are playing baseball and softball this year. Got to have that gear, right? No joke. Our family's playing Our family's playing ball, probably just like a lot of your families. The kids are growing. Their feet are getting big. As much as I'd like to put them in last year's cleats, their toes are busting out the ends. We've got to get them some cleats, all right? But then you think about other things that they need, things like that. And so I look over and I see this receipt. I'm just going to be straight with you. Now, it's not, all of this is not purchases. The, the bottom here is like scorecard points and sign up for this. You know, all the stuff I never sign up for ever. But the truth is, is I'm listening to this sermon and I'm thinking about our own family's giving because we do give and we give of tithes and offerings. But as I see this receipt, the Holy Spirit reminds me, you got room too, buddy. You got room too. Nothing wrong with this. But if we're robbing from God by spending this and an opportunity to give offends us, Lord have mercy. We got room, y'all. I know where we live. We got room. Giving is proportionate. Again, it's proportionate to what you could afford. That's the first thing. The second thing out of this verse is giving is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. In verse 3, it says they gave far more than what they could afford. This was spontaneous giving. That is an offering that is outside of the budget. An offering that was not settled within what they earned. Their generosity had a baseline of giving. Tithing, a baseline of giving. And, and, and then it shows them having an overflowing of generosity based on what? Based on what they didn't account for. Based on what they did not have. The widow in Mark chapter 12, she gave a small amount. Again, we're not talking about figures. In Mark chapter 12, the widow gave a small amount. And it was all she had while the rich people were giving larger amounts. But who did God honor in the scripture? The widow. Why? Because she gave out of a generous heart. She gave out of joy. The others gave out of what they could afford. And she gave an offering. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. I read this this week. The poor are inclined to give 44% more 
of what they have than the wealthy. Did y'all hear that? The poor are inclined to give 44% more of what they have than the wealthy. How is that? Those who recognize their own need and their poverty and it's been met are more likely to give and to give generously. Listen, I, I realize, y'all, seriously, I, I realize as we are looking at this today, it's all kinds of things going through our mind. I know it's all th- kinds of things going through my mind. And sometimes it's hard to talk about people's money. I get that. But here's what I see in the scripture. God highlights this church and this widow and we want to be like that. Plain and simple. We, we want to have that baseline of giving because we believe in what we're giving to. And we want to have this opportunity to give sponta- with spontaneity. And we want to give sacrificially. Biblical giving doesn't require giving outside of earning. But it certainly honors it favorably. Third thing, giving is personal. Giving is personal. Generosity is not motivated by pressure. I want you to hear my tone today. The, the giving opportunity that we're speaking of is months from now. But listen, if you feel pressure to give to the offering, please keep your money. God's going to take care of this. There is no manipulation here for any of this. Please keep it. Don't give out of, uh, if you feel like somebody's twisting your arm. That's not, again, that's not what's in the scripture. The Bible says they did it of their own free will. You should not feel compelled by any other power than the Holy Spirit of God to give. You should not be manipulated by any other uh, truth in God's word to give. I say this because this is what I hear a lot and it drives me crazy. You know, the first time we went to that church, first time we went up in there in a long time, you know what they talked about? Giving. That's what they talked about, giving. Let me tell you something. That's more of a reflection on you than it is us. We talk about giving three times a year. And you talk about the one time you've been here. So help me with the math on that. See, that's the part that drives me crazy. Now, if you're not a believer and God doesn't have you, then this doesn't apply. If you're a believer and you talk about when you go to church and somebody presents you with a time to give and an opportunity to give and it offends you, we need to rethink the whole thing in your heart. You want to talk about how you come to church one time out of the year and they talk about giving and it offends you? What about all the other times we stand up here and preach the Word of God? And also, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and follow Him, this is God's Word. And giving comes from this today, not from my opinions. I'm reading you what it says in the Scripture. Christians, don't be offended by opportunities to give. That's what we do. That's what we do. For the life of me, it makes me so mad. Just, can you tell? (laughs) Y'all, I hear Christians... And again, this is preaching to the church. I hear pastors, pastors that can't cast vision because they don't know if the church will go that way. What if God will go that way? If God goes that way, the vision's got to go that way. Y'all can get on board or not, but we're going to do what we see in here and what he puts in here. we got to go with what God values. Giving is part of our practice of faith. To be offended by an opportunity to give would be like an offensive tackle being offended by blocking. 
It would be like a teacher being offended that they have to make lesson plans. How could you ask me to do that? That's what we do. Can I also tell you that I don't spend hours in my office, and Bradley Griggs don't either, looking to see who gives what and all that. We don't do that all day long. We're trusting God to take care of this place, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. we got more things to do than keep records and all that. Hey, don't take this personal unless it's personal. Verse 4. They begged us again and again. For the privilege, y'all hear that? They begged Paul. The Macedonian church begged Paul again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Basically, it was like this. Paul, I, can, you, can you not just see the communication with Paul being like, guys, seriously, we got it, don't worry, we got another church over here that's going to take care of Jerusalem. I'm, tw- I'm kind of twisting Corinthians' arm because I'm using y'all as an example. <laughs> you know, like, can you, can you see this? And, and Macedonia and the church is there going, listen, brother, if you don't let us be generous towards you, then it's going to go somewhere else because that's what God is doing in us. And so they were seeking the privilege to share in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Notice this urgency. There's an urgency to give. They would not take no for an answer. And this is a gift of grace. Is that not who God is? No, they don't have it, Right? They, they don't have it, and so this is, a, this is unmerited favor. A special contribution at their expense. This is what God does for us. They were asking to give. A few years ago, we took the students, or actually the college students, when I was, my title was college and young singles and student minister, we took the college students to Atlanta, to a conference over there. And, and it was the universal church coming together. It wasn't the local church, but they still offered us opportunities to be generous. At the end of one of the conferences, they told us about all the opportunities we had to give, to give towards things that were evangelistic, towards things that were making disciples, to give to missions, to meet needs, and this is what the church does. And after that, the preacher said, Amen. We walk to this place where all of these displays are available. And we stood in line. We stood in line half an hour to give. Have you ever stood in line to give? We stand in line to get all the time. We'll be in the drive through this afternoon. Three cars deep. Lord have mercy, let's go. Because <laughs> we, want, we want what we want, right? We, we stand in line to get into a ball game. We stand in line to be entertained for our needs to be met, whatever. When's the last time you stood in line to give? What we see here is, is while all the other churches are thinking about giving, Macedonia and their churches are already in line. Sign us up. I've seen you do this last month. Our Wednesday nights are a little bit different. I've seen many of you walk in here with bags of groceries that you bought. You came in and you stood and you waited for us to give you a location to take those groceries. I truly believe those are the things that God values. The generosity to go, the willingness, the faith. I've seen you do it. And and, and so again, 
all of this is, is about our hearts today. It's really not about uh, making sure that we meet this goal. And we're going to throw all those things out there because they're logistics, and we need to do that to do our due diligence. But this is about our heart before God. I'm thankful to be a part of a, of a body that sees giving as, as a privilege. We see it as a privilege, not, not a, an ob- obligation, or, but we see that, man, it's my privilege to, to share what we have and what we don't have with you for the glory of God and the good of man. Also, I want you to notice this. This church was giving of an offering to a church and to a people and a work of ministry that they probably never saw with their own eyes. You think every single person in the Macedonian church booked a plane and went on a mission trip to Jerusalem? No. They were giving to a work that was a kingdom of God work across cultures for the glory of God and the good of man, for evangelism to go out, the gospel to be preached. They were giving for that reason. They were giving money to places that they could not see. I just want to speak to this for just a moment. Again, it goes back to what we talked about last week. Y'all, this, this, thing, this whole thing is bigger than us. A couple of weeks, two, three weeks ago, I got to preach at Lindsay Lane North. First time I've been in the pulpit there. We swapped pulpits. Heath was here. Alan was at East. I was at North. I've been to North on a couple of occasions. One was a, was a work day. The, the other had to do with when, when Brother Dusty was leading us and casting the vision and we're going to be partners here and we're going to make North happen. I want to share something. Did y'all, know, did y'all know we prayed for God to give us an opportunity and help month for years? Did you know that? So when we put it before you, I promise you, I feel the pressure to be a good steward because we asked God for years to give us an opportunity there. And they're killing it. North and East are doing very well. You've given in ways over the years to campuses that you've never been at. And can I tell you that I have seen it with my own eyes. The vision from God come down to the overseer. The overseer casts the vision. The people get behind it. The dollars go out and invest in people, in leaders, in buildings, in curriculum that you'll never see. But God knows each one that's been saved, baptized, and flipped for the glory of God. So don't count it out. Ask questions. That's totally fine. Ask questions you should. But don't count it out where you're not exactly sure what's going on. I promise you this brings down a pressure, a a godly burden of, of responsibility to our shoulders to make sure we're doing with it what he wants to do with it. And and I have seen this. This is this is kingdom work. Y'all, I've I've been with other pastors here and with other people here across cultures to fields in different places of this world that you've not been to. Some of you have, and some of you have been to more places than I have been. I have seen the generosity get on a plane and go to different cultures and the gospel be preached and people be saved. And that happened because a spirit of generosity was born in the local church. That happened. There's been healings taking place. There's disciples being made. There's families and cultures being changed. And God uses that local church. And the joy and the generosity that comes from that joy to do all that stuff. Things that are just so much greater than we are. See, what I'm telling you in all of that is to say this. 
A gift to support believers is a gift to support ministry. A gift to support believers is a gift to support ministry. A, a support gift to the life in the Jerusalem church. Y'all, if, if the money gets there to the Jerusalem church, yes, it's going to feed them. It's probably going to provide them food and water and other basic necessities that they were struggling with. But if they're alive, they'll be working for the gospel because they're believers. That's, that's why the money goes and gets to them and how it works. Verse 5. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. The hope was for the resources to support the church in Jerusalem. There were needs to meet, and they were glad to meet them. But even more than that, the Macedonian church had submitted themselves to God. Y'all, giving helps. Giving helps, but giving doesn't make you godly. God makes you godly. And so they were. They were, they were found faithful. They would even, even more than what they'd hoped. When you give someone a gift, listen. When you give someone a gift, what restrictions do you place on that? The last time you gave a birthday or a Christmas gift, did you give it? And as soon as you gave it, going, what are they going to give me? Or, or did you give a Christmas gift and, and be like, all right, 30% of that is yours, but other percentage? When, when a giver gives a gift, the recipient receives it and the recipient has it. When God has you, he's got your money. That's what I see in the scripture. Paul said, Paul said, they did even more than we hoped. Their first action before they even cut a check was they submitted themselves to God. That's what we hope for here out of all of us more than anything. Because if we will submit ourselves to God, we ain't got to worry about the rest of this stuff. We'll do whatever he wants us to do. My hobby has me, so it has my money. My children have me, so they have my money. My wife and I have each other, gave ourselves to each other, so we got each other's money. When you give yourselves to God, God's got your money. If that offends you, see you at the altar. Let's talk about it. I'm, I'm so serious about that. And it's not, it's not about the amount and when. And trust God with your resources to do something greater for His glory that counts more than your own. Y'all, we rob God all the time. We'll, we'll take from God. We'll, we'll keep from what's ours. You know, the, the thing about the giving and passion, when I watched those college students, those, then those, those were all, I would say 85% of those people at that conference were college students. You know what that means? They were standing in line with the right perspective to spend daddy's money on giving. College students say amen to that, amen? You see the same thing at Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School, hilarious giving. Take up an offering, it ain't theirs, it's daddy and mommy's. And so they are just like. <laughs> Y'all, at Vacation Bible School, that the, one of the best times for them is the giving. Seriously, watch it. They are taking 
and giving to something that they know is worthwhile and it's not really on them anyway, so the pressure's off because it's daddy's and it's mommy's. We rob God all the time. We will take time off from church, from serving, from ministry, quicker than we'll ever take it from anything else. Nobody says amen to that because we all know it's right. That's what we'll do. Well, I'm not going to go tonight. I know I was going to sign up for that, but I'm, you know, I just didn't get the time. We'll pull it from somewhere else and give it to God. But we don't do that. We don't do that. We're going we to give God what we think is appropriate. But the sacrificial part, thank Jesus for that because we ain't got that within us. Lord have mercy. Y'all expect me to say these things, right? Like I believe in what we're doing here. I'm not going to cut corners. I believe in what we're doing here. They did even more than what we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. Give to Go Sunday will be in October. Today is not about the missions offering. Today is about our hearts. Today is about our hearts. Are we a church that is submitted to the will of God? Giving is only part of that. What about our time? What about our talents? What about our service? Are we submitted to that, to the will of God that He would use all of who we are for all of His glory? If we give ourselves to Him, He will have us, and when He has us, He'll have everything. And listen, God don't need anything. God doesn't need anything from us. Not at all. But He will have everything He wants because those who are His will reflect the image of Jesus. So when He has us, He'll have what He wants as we will then be reflecting the glory of God because joy will be in our heart and it will overflow with generosity. Let's stand to our feet.